We are thankful to God for His gift of love and for His kindness, for His compassion and mercy, for His care and for His love. He has blessed us in so many ways, continually and constantly, over and over and over again. God blesses each and every one of us, even those who do not believe in Jesus, because God is just so good. And we thank Him for His love and mercy and care. It is good to see you here this morning, both uh, those members and visitors alike, those who are here present, uh, attending with us, as well as those who are online. We thank you for your attendance and uh, pray for your participation in our worship this morning. Let's go together to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, King of everlasting and righteous God, hallowed be your great and amazing name. In the beginning, O oh God, you created the heavens and the earth, things that are visible and invisible, with the thrones of dominions. Lord God, you made them all. We pray that we will worship you this morning, the King of glory, with humble hearts, bringing glory and honor to your name. Help us never to forget Jesus, but always to remember the amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf that we might be saved. Bless our minds to be clear from worldly thought. And please keep Satan far from us. Help us, Lord God, that in all things that we say and do, as we listen to your word, we may do those things and say those things in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable in your sight in accordance to your will and your way. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we do pray and give thee thanks. For be thy will. Amen. Revelation, please, chapter 13. The two beasts uh, in the scripture today. Two beasts. Next chapter, another beast. We're, we're recognizing and realizing and seeing the view, not from heaven, but now a view from the earth. The vision that John gives is a vision where he stands on the seashore. Chapter 13 in verse 1. And he stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems, and on his head were blasphemous names. Jewish people, uh, in times of, of biblical times, they viewed the sea as wild. It's a wild untamed and frightening place. In fact, you read the New Testament and you read about the sea uh, breaking up the ship and you read about Jesus walking on the water in the midst of the storm. It was a place that was full of turmoil. And this sea beast who represents civil authority. Turn to Isaiah chapter 57. Civil authority. So why would he use the sea? Well, again, it's usually in turmoil. So you think of, of governments and usually in turmoil, the waves of uh, the dashing, if you will, against each other. It's fitting. And this is not the first time God has used the sea. In fact, you look in the Old Testament, you'll find that God uses the sea to represent turbulence in the lives of humanity and usually in response to people. In Isaiah 57, beginning at verse 19, there the Bible says, Creating the praise of the lips, peace, peace to him who is far and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. 
and its waters toss up refuse in mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. What a fitting passage. The righteous being blessed by God. And then the wicked who can find no peace. But I like to see turbulent. And this, brethren, is the message of Revelation chapter 13. That the wicked can find no peace. There is no peace with Satan. Turn back to Revelation, please. Chapter 13. So there were ten horns on this beast. Seven heads. It tells us that the kings of Rome have power and authority. And Rome had uh, what was known as like a client kingship. In other words, whoever gave Rome the gold. If you gave Rome your gold, if you gave Rome the power, then Rome backed you. You had Rome with you in all things. And that was exactly what the dragon, what Satan did. He gave Rome his power. Look at Revelation 13 and verse 2. In fact, we'll go back to verse 1. Go back one clip. And then we'll read 1 and 2. And he stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems, and on his head were blasphemous names. Verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those were bare, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave his power and his throne and gave great authority. So think for just a moment and ask yourself, have you ever read anything like that before in the past? Well, yeah, right? Daniel chapter 7. We've read Daniel chapter 7 before with a different view and a different idea. Now we're going to go back and read Daniel 7 again and we're going to think about these four beasts that come up out of the sea. Daniel 7. The beast, if you will, in Revelation 13, this is the representation of Rome. Rome has the power. Rome is a fierce nation. But something amazing in the book of Daniel, Daniel describes four kingdoms and a fifth. The fifth kingdom is the church. But there are four kingdoms that he describes. But I want to show you how the Bible is showing and teaching us that Rome is all of the wickedness combined in one. But first, contextually, Daniel 7, again, deals with four kingdoms. And we're going to show how God shows us that Rome is the worst of the worst. Listen, verse 1. In the first year of King Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay on his bed. Then he wrote the dream down and related the following summary of it. Daniel said, I was looking in my vision by night. Behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. The first was like a leopard, and it had wings of an eagle. I kept looking until its wings were plucked up, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human mind was also given to it. And behold, another beast. A second one resembling a bear. And it was raised up on one side. And three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And thus they said to it, Arise, devour much meat. 
After this, I kept looking, and behold, another one like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this, I kept on looking in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remaining with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So, Daniel is telling us, or speaking of, these four beasts. He talks in Revelation about three of those beasts all being wrapped up into Rome, who is the fourth fourth beast, terrifying and horrible. So, the first, the lion, the Babylonians, in the context of Daniel, who had the power, who had tearing power. And then the, the second, the Medo-Persian Empire, who had the crushing force. And then the third would be Greece, right? The leopard, right? And Greece would have been those who possessed destructive power. You remember Alexander the Great. And Rome is the wickedness of the wicked and the strongest of the strong. And Rome in Revelation represents all of these beasts Join as one as Satan gave to Rome all of its power. And that's terrifying. And Daniel was terrified in the vision just seeing these four kingdoms rise. But Daniel was very interested in the fourth one. Because the fourth one was the worst of the worst. But I want to jump all the way over to verse 21. It says there, I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth and tread down and crush it. As for the ten horns out of the kingdom, ten kingdoms will, ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and will subdue three kings. And he will speak out against the Most High, and wear down the saints of the highest one, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, time and a half of time. Back, please, to Revelation chapter 13. Nero. Nero started the persecution against the Christians. I mean, when I say he started it, he began it. He was, he was a very horrible, horrible leader. And Nero began this persecution against the church. In verse 3, and I saw, Revelation 3, 13, and I saw one of the heads as if it had been slain. And its fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. Why would they do that? You see, you see, Nero was a wicked, wicked ruler. And Nero, like all rulers, died. For about 13 years, there, there was this, this man named Domitian came later. Domitian came 13 years later, and when the persecution that Nero began stopped, 
Domitian came along and started it again. Those 13 years were some of the worst, if you will, civil times in Rome. In fact, they had one of the greatest civil wars known to mankind at that time. And, and no one thought Rome would survive, but Rome just keeps on coming. And Rome survived. Nero was gone. And now 13 years later, Domitian comes to the throne. And he doesn't just bring this persecution back. He brings this persecution back with a vengeance against God's people. It's exactly what's described in Daniel chapter 7. Verse 4. And they worshipped the dragon... Because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? Imagine that. Imagine that. That even some Christians gave in. Wondering, who is like this beast that Daniel spoke of? And who can defeat Rome? And the thought from Rome was no one. No one can defeat Rome. The Christians were, if you will, to surrender to Rome and be persecuted and hopefully annihilated from the minds of the Romans and that they would eventually just go away. And so as we read in Revelation 2 and 3, remember Jesus said about those congregations, not all of them, but five of them, he said, but I have this against you. You see, they were struggling in their faith and some of them had given in to Rome. They had given in to the Roman Empire. They had given in to deception. They didn't want to be overcome. They gave in to the government. They gave in to Roman rule because they began to believe too that Rome was stronger than God. Satan gave all of his power to Rome. Listen to verses 4 through 10. And they worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth and blasphemous blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them in authority. Every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name was not has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined to captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Church, how would you have handled such a devastating time? Would you have given in? I mean, really, in reality, we can't even answer that question, can we? Because we're not there. But we can say this. We can say, well, let me ask you this question. Have you given in today? 
Have you given up on Jesus now? Well, that will be the answer to the question of the past. What would you do, church, in a situation like that? Well, what are we doing in our pandemic? What are we doing right now in regards to our relationship with Jesus? Have we given up? Have we given in? Well, then that's the answer to the question in Revelation chapter 13 with Domitian's reign. Yes, if I've given up today, I would have definitely given up then. But if I'm staying true to God through this pandemic, and I'm holding God's hand and trusting in Him today, then I believe that, yes, you would have stood true to God in the days of Domitian and the power of Rome. So there's another beast. Satan's not finished yet. Because, see, Satan persecuted the church civilly, right? First he brought government rule and, and the, the armies against the church. And that doesn't work. They don't all give in. The church is still strong. Remember Jesus said the gates of hell should not prevail against it. it. It's not going anywhere. The church is still strong. They're still converting people. They're still saving souls. God is saving souls through the church. And so Satan says, okay, I've got another way. I've got another beast. I'm going to bring this beast, though, from the sea again. But this one is going to be a religious beast. Look, if you will, beginning at verse 11. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon. Did you catch that? Let me read that one one more time. I want you to listen. There's only one lamb. That's Jesus Christ. So what does Satan do? Look at what he does. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. In other words, like Jesus. He already did the false resurrection. Nero revived in Domitian. And now he brings a lamb like a lamb, or excuse me, horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that even he, so, so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. So Rome attacks the church through Satan, if you will. Satan attacks the church through Rome. In three different ways. One, commercially, right? If you, if you wanted to get in and live and have a, a good life, then you had to you had to give your gold to Rome, right? If you wanted to buy and sell, you had to go along to get along. You had to go along with Rome. Secondly, uh, it, it represented or, or a persecution uh, of the church, right? The, the the city, the government, the rulers persecuted the church to no end. And now, religiously, remember what we read in Revelation 2 and 3? Emperor worship. Worship the emperor and you will live. Get your certificate for the year. Right? Simple process, not a big deal. We just need you to blaspheme the name of God one time. One time a year won't hurt, right church? Just blaspheme the name of God one time. Get your certificate, run around for the rest of the year and enjoy and happiness. And next year, renew your certificate. Religiously, he persecuted them. He says, look, Nero rose from the dead. No, Jesus rose from the dead, never to die again. But the world said, here Nero has been revived, renewed in Domitian. Get your certificate, church. No, 
No, the church said, no, we don't need that certificate because this is false religion and it's wrong. I don't know how Satan does some of the things that he does. I don't, I don't have an answer to that. Even looking in the past, uh, you know, the scriptures, you, you have this, this idea that, that, that teaches us that magic. Simon the sorcerer was a, a great magician and he deceived the masses. You, you go back to, uh, to Egypt and you find that, you know, I just don't, I don't even get it where, where, you know, Moses throws his staff down and becomes a snake and the magicians did likewise. I, I don't get, I don't get that. And I'm, I'm not supposed to get it. I don't, I don't have to get that to understand this, this text. But I, but I know that Satan brings so much deception and so much deceit. I say to myself, if Satan could could cause a staff to turn into a snake, or if Satan could use Simon the great sorcerer and other sorcerers in times past, if Satan could mislead godly, God-fearing, loving people, then here's something I know he could mislead me too. Brethren, you got to take this this spirituality, this spiritual relationship with God very seriously, right? Be very cautious. It's important, it's imperative that we read the Word of God. Look at the world today and all the confusion. Look at all the churches you go to. On every corner almost, you've got a church. Satan has brought so much confusion, right? Someone told me one day, they said, churches are like gas stations. It doesn't matter which one you go to, you still get fuel. Well, that's not true. I mean, it's true in one sense that, yeah, you can go to any gas station, but from a spiritual relationship, there's only one church. And the Bible is talking about the one church, and Satan is trying to destroy it. And today, Satan even causes members of the church to say, well, maybe there are multiple churches. Brethren, we, we gotta, we gotta take this seriously. Satan is very deceitful in all that he does. And we have to be willing to call a spade a spade. We have to be willing to stand up for that which is right and that which is true. Satan had convinced Christians that Rome was stronger than God. Satan had convinced Christians that the church that Jesus said would never die, would never be destroyed, will one day go away. But that wasn't true. They were wrong again. In verse 13, the Bible says, verse 14 rather, And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And that was given to him. To give breath to the image of the beast. That the image of the beast might even speak and cause many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Sad, huh? It's pretty sad. To be persecuted for doing what's right. To be, to be annihilated for doing the right thing. But, but Jesus, see, Jesus sees all this coming. And so in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 3, we, we, we have, again, we're talking about this, this spiritual 
uh, deceitfulness that Satan brings along. Listen to verse 3 of Revelation chapter 7. Saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their forehead. So God brings this seal, right? So he seals his people. I'm going to protect my people. I'm going to seal my people. I'm going to protect my people. And we don't always see protection the way God sees it. We see protection as if if the Romans come and knock on your door, you stand up and don't worry about it because God's going to protect us and they'll go away. And then the Romans kill, execute you, the Christians. And then we say, maybe God's not protecting us. So we don't understand sometimes the protection of God. Is it not true that the protection of God is also sending us home? Right? Isn't that it? Because that's what this is all about, you see. We serve Christ in this life to go home, to be with Him in the end. And so, God sealed His people. They had the protection, the spiritual protection of God upon them. And so, religion, right? Satan comes in religion, and Satan says, alright, let me give you guys another seal. He calls it a mark. In chapter 13, if you will, in verse uh, 16, the text says, And he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one should be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. So the devil, the devil comes along and says, all right, church, you want a monopoly on business? Would you like to be able to be, you're a tent maker? You, Paul, you're a tent, you want to sell those tents? Well, you got to have the mark. Uh, are you, I'm sorry, are you, are you, a, what, what, what's your business? If you want to, if you want to buy, sell, and trade, you got to sell your soul. That's exactly what it was. You had to sell your soul. You had to receive this, 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 you know, this mark, if you will, this ability. You could not be a Christian and, and continue in business. So he didn't just persecute them physically. But then there was, the idea of sustenance and food and struggle and difficulty. In the early church, remember, it banded together. It took care of one another through this persecution. And it did not die. It's still here to this day. Praise God. The devil, the dragon, and Satan. The enemies of God. The three enemies of God are exposed in Revelation chapter 12. We see their work in chapter 13 and following. And Satan gave, think about this. Think about what Satan has done. He gave all of his power to Rome. Rome, you go and persecute the church. So I'm going to bring a beast. He brings a beast up from the sea. The Roman persecution. Then he has an earth beast. And he brings false religion in. Do you realize to this day, Satan is doing the same thing? Right? Get your gold. Gonna get your gold, and I'm gonna get your soul. Gonna get your gold, and I'm gonna get your soul. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, for where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also, right? Didn't he say that? See, cause he knew in the teaching of, of God, he knew he gonna, Satan's out to get your gold. If I get your gold, I'm gonna get your soul. Or I'm gonna find a way to get your gold so I can get your soul. Whatever it is, I'm going for your gold, I'm going for your soul. The love of money is the root of all evil. 
Isn't it? The love of money is the root of all evil. So then comes this this number. You know the number. Let me show you how deceitful Satan is. Think about this for a moment. When you hear the number six, 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 you think power and devastation and, and some some folks have even said you know 666 is the you know you, they, they name people this this guy represents satan 666 and then they they say oh don't get a microchip in your arm because that's 666 and don't get this barcode because that's 666 and and there are all these things these ideas about 666 and it becomes this sinister number in the minds of humanity and we fear 666 but let I, I hate to be the spoiler today, but, you know, um, all, all that it means is Satan loses and loses and loses. I mean, that's all it means. It's the number of man. It, it, has no, it has no power to it. If you will, verse, verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 660. Six. Let me tell you what that really is. It's simply another way of saying all of those without Jesus Christ in their lives lose. And it's impossible, absolutely impossible to be complete. And it's absolutely impossible for you to ever win. It's a number of man. It always falls short every single time. And Satan comes over and over and over again with Rome. And every single time, he's lost. You go back to Genesis, and every single time, he's lost. Because God has brought redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the church of Christ is still here to this day. Satan loses over and over and over again. And I can just say this for the next hour and over and over again. He cannot win. He will not win. Do not give him your power. Do not give him your soul. That number, 666, is an inadequate number. It's exactly what it is. A number that's inadequate. And what it means is it's completely Incomplete. Completely incomplete. Man without God loses every single time. Because we all like the number six. The number is the number of man. Go back at verse 18 rather and read it again. The number is a man's number. It's a number that falls short. Romans 3 in verse 23, Satan falls short, mankind falls short, Rome falls short. For all of sin and fallen short, come short. Every man has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. It's an incomplete number. But with Jesus, we are complete. And so, the message this morning is, if you haven't come to Jesus, will you come to Jesus today, now? Surrender your life to Him, hearing His Word and believing it, repenting of your sins, making that great confession, 
and being baptized in immersion water for the remission of your sins, will you give your life to Jesus today? Stay faithful to him. And if you are a member of the church and you have struggled in your life and you would like prayers made in your behalf, contact us. Contact us. Let us pray with you and pray for you. God is good, isn't he? God is good. Don't turn your life over to Satan unless you want to join the losing team. Satan loses over and 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 over again. It's like it's like your favorite teams out there, and they finally look like they're going to win. I mean, you know, we're in the fourth quarter. It's football season. We're in the fourth quarter, church, and I mean, we're up by like like thirty five points. There's no way you can lose. And before the game's over, that team lost again. <laughs> you know, when you get tired of losing, here's what's sad. We get tired of losing, but Satan doesn't. Don't give your life, don't give your soul to him. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you.